2: Of Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the King's record book. Oh, I like to see Fox force five in the open court. into the
0: lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like King's basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez, and we have two different draft experts on here today to recap what happened in Thursday's NBA draft, where the Kings had three second-round picks. We have Nate Miller and Bryant West. We'll start with Nate. How you doing, Nate? Pretty good. Feeling lot After last night. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm going to guess you're about the same here, Bryant.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely,
0: um... You know what? We shouldn't
1: be surprised at this point when the Kings surprise us in the NBA draft. I would say that over the last 13 years of covering this team, I've been, have come out of drafts surprised more often than not. But uh, last night was definitely a, a <laughs> bit of a, a ego gut check when the Kings uh, first pick was a dude I'd barely even known the name of. So <laughs> I think that says all that I need to say about my draft expertise.
0: So Yeah, maybe we can start with that first guy. The Kings went in with forty, forty-seven, and sixty. Some of that changed, but they kept forty and they took Justin James. Uh I mean when you heard the name, Brian you kind of said it, you hadn't heard of him. Nate, did you know of Justin James?
2: Yeah, you know, I in the last episode we actually were joking about names. You know, what are the names that weren't interesting yeah. to and I gotta be honest, there was something like four or five Jalen's in the draft. And then there was Justin James and James Palmer. And I was constantly getting them confused, uh, myself. But I did recognize the name. Um, you know, he was the n- number 93rd overall prospect on the composite board that I had that combined, uh, about 25, uh, mock drafts and big boards. And I, I did, I had been using a little bit of, a. Uh, Oh, kind of trying to recognize players that had previously been um, uh, ranked and slotted. So there's not a perfect scientist science to it. It was a little bit of art. But um, you know, when I tweeted that, it seemed to generate some anxiety. Uh, Got a got a few retweets there. But um, I think now that the dust has settled and with more research, uh, I think you can understand how the Kings saw a player with NBA athleticism and extensive skills in numerous areas who could, you know, frankly shine in a reduced role surrounded by act- actual, like legitimate professional talent. You know, he's uh he's a reasonably young senior from Wyoming who measured at six, six without shoes and a seven, one wingspan. And uh, in the YouTube clips that people are kind of trying to d- dive into, you can very clearly see that athlete, uh, the elite athleticism, you know, coming into the draft. uh, James was viewed basically as a slasher with the production of a small ball four. Uh, Mike Grubinov, uh writing about seniors playing at Portsmouth, um, described James as easily one of the better run and jump athletes of the tournament. Digging into the data that I had logged this spring, he was the 13th highest scorer per game in my database for a senior season with uh, 22.1 points per game on you know sky high usage frankly the fourth highest in in the database he led the cowboys in scoring rebounding assists steals and blocks in addition to some other you know the other categories and he shockingly had a positive assist to turnover ratio despite defenses keying in on him the team really had no one else um he is the best defensive rebounder per game and by defensive rebound rate out of all of the projected guard scorers and his assist rate tops uh, among guard scorers uh was better than both that of RJ and uh RJ Barrett and Derek Culver. You know, I think uh everyone got a little scared uh about his shooting. And, you know, he wasn't a below average shooter as a senior, but he was a, at least a fair shooter from the free throw line and, and that is often considered, you know, one of the better measures of whether a, a college guy can actually shoot the ball. Um, you know, he did shoot uh, seventy four point one on just over eight attempts from the line as a as a senior and that was more than any guards, projected guard scorer outside of Amir Hinton. You know, he, he definitely was in a rough situation as he shot much better during his sophomore and junior seasons when he played with uh, Hayden Dalton. uh was a scoring four that actually played in Denmark last season and attended the free agent camp with the Kings in May. So that might have been an opportunity where they were attempting to get a little more intel on James. You know, and, and there's also one red flag I'd like to put in context his win shares for 40 minutes and offensive rating ranked as the lowest um, of any of the guard scores in the draft. But that team was 8 and 24. Uh, John, uh, Chupkovich, uh, director of scouting for the professional basketball combine explained James's senior season in this way. His inefficient shooting clips driven by fewer transition opportunities and his necessity to create and take difficult looks when the within the context of the team's offense and the 8-24 team record driven by eight newcomers and minimal returning other contributors should not be taken at face value. So, you know, I, I think kind of in summary, you know, we can argue about whether the Kings derive value from their draft position. I don't think they did, but more than anything, I'm just happy they gambled on a wing. Uh, I think I mentioned in the last podcast that, or at least I've, I've mentioned on Twitter that, you know, when following the G League last year, there was almost no viable small forwards that played that weren't already on a two way. So I think at least they got, you know, a quality wing that they can develop. And, you know, after just kind of digging in on all that I could read about him in the short time, I, you know, I think at least fit one of the variables that I kind of talked about in the last pod that he's got He's got that athleticism. He's got the length. He seems to have a motor. He can run open court and he does have isolation ability. And probably, you know, something that we can't really know is he probably wanted to be here. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's with, uh, with the next guy, a pile guy who worked out here twice. And I, I just, that probably seems like something that we're never going to know. Um, but, uh, probably something we can at least guess.
1: Yeah, that, that workout streak stays alive for the Kings. <laughs> they really do seem to lock in on guys that want to come work here and, then, you know, take an interest in the organization. Um, I just say as an overall, you know, the Kings have people in the organization that scout for a living. They make the big bucks to make these decisions. They've watched way more tape than I have, and probably near as much as Nate has watched. They might be right about James, James's scoring talent, uh, Kyle's value as a bench shooter or Vanya Marinkovich's ability to transition to the NBA. If there's a worry in there, it's just because the theme of the Kings took somebody way off the range projected by both professional and armchair draft analysts. That's not a new failure. It's an old classic in Sacramento. Sometimes that's worked. And most recently it hasn't. But this is the second round. It's arrogant to say with any certainty what Justin, Kyle, and Vanya can do at the next level. So let's see what the Kings' plan for them is and just hope they're ready for the challenge. Um, like Nate talked about, it's clear that the Kings think that uh, Justin James's talent was masked a bit by the poor Wyoming team around him. Uh, they missed a bunch of guys with injuries. Only four guys, including Justin, played more than 30 games he literally took 33% of his team's total shots on the year. Uh he was clearly the focal point for defenses to attack and clearly the only successful offense the Cowboys had. That won't be the case in the NBA, so maybe reigning in that shot selection and playing with the you know much better NBA spacing will unlock a bunch of bench scoring, will unlock his bench scoring punch that Sacramento needs. But I can't overstress how worrying these advanced shooting numbers are. Per synergy stats, uh, all in, if you encompass all of his jump shots in the half court, he shot 30%. All catch and shoot shots in the half court, he shot 25.6%. On all jump shots off the dribble, 33%. I'll note that he had way more shots off the dribble than catch and shoot shots, which further shows you just how exactly what his role was. He was there to create, create, create. That team needed him to. So who knows? I hope we can all look back in March and laugh at how outdated our draft takes were. Um, Mm -hmm. from the interviews I listened to yesterday, Justin sounds like a good dude with a good head on his shoulders. Maybe he just needs to be on a more balanced team to unlock his efficiency. And, you know, like Nate said, it's really good that the Kings got a wing with, you know, solid size. Um, we'll see if he puts on the weight needed to really play. You know, the three in that two, three combo, but I'm not overly worried about the Kings drafting three shooting guards when, you know, a player with Justin James's uh, size and basic skill set is always going to be valuable in the modern game. But it really just truly is a wait and see. I think uh, you can say that about any second round pick, but certainly, you know, a surprise one like this.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned it a bit. I mean, not knowing Justin James at all, when I saw shooting guard pop up, I was terrified. I was like, Oh my god, this is the one position that it feels <laughs> like the Kings actually have enough players for already. Yeah. And then, you know, you see the size a little bit, you get the idea that he probably could play that three, six seven, one ninety. Um, and talking about He's got a book up before that. Yeah. And talking positions, um, most of the time that is in regards to defense. I mean, you can make it work on offense, but it's all about who would be guarding the, mo- the opposing three here. Since we wouldn't have a buddy or bogey doing it, do you feel like he would have the potential to be able to guard opposing threes? Obviously, that's where some of the most elite guys are. But aside from that, uh, the backup threes throughout the league.
2: Well, I think I could chime in and just say that, uh, we can't even really probably use the, the data to even make a guess aside from, I would just assume that anybody that has that high usage, whether it's in the NBA or in college is, is probably going to have to try to take plays off on the defensive end. Yeah. And so when we look at his, his defensive statistics, the, the on floor, off floor and the defensive rating, those both generally are not that great. But I don't, I don't think that is as much a reflection on him as just that role with the team. And, you know, anybody that has that seven-foot wingspan when they're six, seven and shoes, that's at least the tools that are there. I mean, when we watch these clips, he's blocking some shots. Um, And that rebounding is just really, really surprising for someone that's only, like you said, 190. Yeah. So I think that helps, and that's kind of a part of defense for sure.
1: Yeah, it really is hard to take much uh, from his individual defensive ability, just from looking at how successful Wyoming is because that team around him is just going to cloud everything. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what kind of player he sets the tone for, what type of tone he sets for himself in summer league.
0: And we saw some players really fall. There were rumors that the Kings were going to be looking to move into that end of the first round, and there were some players that were projected much higher that we saw go there. There was Nasir Little, Keldon Johnson, Kevin Porter Jr., Nick Claxton, Um, even just right above them. There, I know that... We had mentioned Bruno Fernando. Uh, there's a need for a backup point guard, maybe an interest in Carson Edwards. Were you disappointed to not see the Kings move up and take advantage of some of these guys falling a little bit?
1: Well, I'm not necessarily disappointed that they moved, that they didn't move up in the second round because clearly um, they got the guy they wanted at that spot. He wouldn't have been who I would have wanted. I, Eric Pascal was the top of my board uh, forward from Villanova. Uh But I'm not really disappointed they didn't move up in the second round. I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't jump up into that first round. You know, we heard so much about how uh, OKC was looking to trade out of the 21st pick to uh clear catch space um, and get themselves under that luxury tax. And I'll tell you, there isn't anything more painful to me just as a basketball fan than seeing Brandon Clark go with that 21st pick. <laughs> That's always going to be the big what if in this draft to me because I really, really liked Brendan Clark uh, at Gonzaga. Uh, I really liked his fit. The, the, the idea of his fit with Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles is kind of that, uh, defensive high motor dude. Um, and I think he's going to be absolutely amazing in Memphis. But in terms of just not moving up into the second, no, I'm not truly disappointed i would have loved to have seen them get a couple of the guys uh in that early second i mean carson edwards would have been great off the bench for the kings uh cody martin was a guy i was kind of hoping they would find a, a, a one of their three picks um daniel gafford is a center i've got a you know, probably too much fandom for i think he would have been a really solid kind of rim protector who aside from a lack of any kind of jumper would have fit with the kings well But the kids clearly have their guy. They didn't need to move up.
0: Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakhani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. And then the next pick that the Kings were sitting at was 47. And I think this was probably the big disappointment. And there was a lot up in the air when we saw that the Knicks had drafted, and it said they took, I'm totally going to butcher this name, it's Ignace Braz. Yeah, I'm not going to try. I've heard the nickname Iggy. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> um, and I've seen people fairly high on him as well, but it went to the Knicks, and there was a lot of hope that we were getting back Neil Aquina, it felt like. I mean, he was rumored to be read, to be available for a late first, maybe second round pick. And all the Kings did was trade down to 55 to save a little bit of money. Was that as disappointing to you guys as the rest of the Kings fan base? It felt like, uh,
1: I wasn't truly disappointed. I mean, I like Frank Nillet, Kena. Um, I've liked him since he was in the draft two years ago. Uh, I thought he would have been a, a nice kind of second draft ad for Sacramento, but. Clearly, I mean, no other team in the league tried to trade for him. So that probably tells you all you need to know about a guy on a $5 million yearly salary that might just mm-hmm. be too rich for other teams, including Sacramento. Um, And if they were really locked in on Kyle Guy, which it sounds like they were, I don't really blame them for trading down and saving some money and getting some money back. I mean, if you've got your guy locked in, whatever – doesn't matter if you take him at 47 uh or 55 kyle was going to be there regardless and they definitely knew that um but when it comes to the player i like what kyle guy is going to bring on offense um he's going to be a great fit in this locker room he's got a firecracker personality and that same kind of gym rat mentality that they've been really drafting repeatedly over the last couple of years He's clearly got the clutch dream. Uh, he fought, fought through the mental hell of Virginia losing that first round 16 over one upset to uh, UMBC two years ago. And he had plenty of chances to crumble in this year's NCAA tournament. I'm never going to forget those three free throws he hit to uh, pull them over Auburn in the final four. Uh, they had Virginia had a deep, deep team this year. Two first round picks in DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome. But Guy was a tournament MVP, uh, MOP. And he won that for good reason. Uh, overall, I think his ceiling is kind of a Seth Curry bomber off the bench. That's his ceiling. I don't necessarily know that that's his realistic outcome, but uh, he's going to have to learn to utilize NBA screens. And I think that'll be a focal point for his use. Uh, King's got to get better at creating space for guys. But per synergy, almost half of his offensive plays were catch-and-shoot shots. And the good news there is that he shot 41% on them, which is 84th percentile in Synergy's rankings. And he was doing, I don't know, one of the best teams in the country and the best conference in the country. And defenses knew exactly what he was doing, and yet they couldn't really stop it. Offensively, as a scorer, I get why people are excited about him. Um, I don't think he's a point guard. And by that, I mean I don't think he's a primary initiator. He's going to have to play the one off the bench in the NBA, but that's more just because of size limitation on defense and not because he should be a primary handler. Uh, I think his handles are fine, but they are fine for college. They're not going to stand up to NBA defenders. It wasn't his role to play make. That was all on Ty Jerome. Guy had an 11.6% assist rate for the season. Um, He wasn't a shooter who was going to kill them with turnovers. They just utilized him for gravity. I imagine the Kings are going to try to let him run the offense in Summer League. So it'll be really interesting to see how he handles that. Defensively is where I'm really worried. Good thing for guys, he comes from a program of stress defense. Uh, if you didn't try and didn't play collegiately good defense, then you just weren't going to get big minutes in Virginia. That said, NBA players are going to rush him every time until he shows you can stop him. He's six three and really skinny. And I mean, that's just going to make NBA opponents smell blood in the water. He's not slow, but he's certainly not what I'd call explosive. I'm really worried about that transition more than I am anything else, else in this game.
0: And you mentioned the shooting a little bit. I mean, very high volume three point shooter, seven point yeah. four attempts last year on forty two percent. I mean, just that alone has definitely been getting people excited. And throughout the three years, only one year before below 40%, and that was 39 in his sophomore year. Freshman year, he was nearly 50% from deep on three attempts per game. So the shooting is there, definitely at least. Um, We know that the really identity of this Kings team is pace. Does it feel like Kyle Guy has the speed in order to keep up with this team? Obviously, there's not going to be a crazy amount of minutes thrown at him right away but that is the style of this team. Does it feel like the fit is there? (laughs) Well, it's going to be
1: quite the transition for him because Virginia literally was, in terms of uh, possessions per game, the slowest-paced team in the country. So that's going to be quite the adjustment. Now, if he's ready to you know, go gangbuster around screens and and run, 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 he's certainly not a slow player. Um, conditioning is going to be interesting to see how long it takes him to get up to King's speed. When it comes to a guy with that kind of shooting ability, I'm not truly worried about his his transition to the King's high-paced team. But it's not the cleanest fit, just from what he was used to in college to what he's going to be dealing with now. I, and I would
2: say that um, I feel I feel like it's a little bit of a clue that that they that they're still kind of interested in that big guard initiator, you know, because James did notch a lot of assists and uh I still feel like there's a part of me that, you know, that thinks that uh Tomas Sanaransky or maybe a Delon Wright is a King's target and and, you know, there's some sort of projectability for guy to be maybe, I don't know, a Juan Dixon or a or a Brent Forbes and, you know, not super High impact NBA players over time, but you know, when paired with uh, a bigger guard next to him that can at least guard the shooting guard, uh, you might be able to get some value out of him.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think that you know, having running him off the bench with Bogdanovich kind of takes that uh, ball handling responsibility primarily out of his hands, Um, but then I'd really worry about defensively, you know, just that one two punch. Neither one of them are going to be real, uh, strong NBA defenders. So it would be nice to see the Kings add another, uh, wing, or maybe Justin James can be that guy who can control the ball in spurts off the bench and, uh, you know, be an, at least an average NBA defender.
0: And I know, Nate, we mentioned it on the preview podcast. These are second round picks. You don't have high expectations in the slightest. Do you assume that both of these guys are going to start out in Stockton?
2: I mean, you know, well, we haven't talked about any of the other guys uh, that are undrafted that are, that are getting picked up. And, you know, the Kings have only been attached to two other players, a, uh, Bryce Brown and an Alex Robinson. And those not, aren't, aren't um, some for sure thing, you know, G League players even. So you gotta feel like these, these two are probably the, the starting two, two guards, uh, that you'll have in Stockton next year. I mean, for sure, unless I'm, unless I'm missing somebody. Yep. Uh, that stands out to me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings try to fit one of these rookies onto their main roster, but I agree with Nate. It's more than likely that uh, they'll start the season in Stockton, and maybe we'll see one of them get some minutes along the way, but I mean, you just can't have higher expectations for second-round picks than that.
0: And with the 60th pick, yet another shooting guard – we had Vonja Marinkovic. Did I get that right? I know you're practicing the enunciation, Bryant. I think it, I think,
1: I've only heard this just from uh, other people saying it. I think it's Vanya Marinkovic.
0: Okay. And I don't have information on this guy. Didn't get time <laughs> to dive into it yet. Um, I mean, is it just, is this Bogey's best friend? Is this another Serbian guy <laughs> that's just going to hang out with Bogey and Buddy all the time?
1: Well, he is a member of the Serbian national team. Uh, he did play with Bogdanovic, uh, in one of their couple of seasons with, uh, their team. Their team name is harder to me than his name. Uh, Prezan Belgrade, I think. Um, clearly he's a player that they know well. I, I won't pretend that I've watched more than the same Draft Express clips that everybody else has, but the Kings obviously know who he is. Um, sounds like he's got another year on his contract, but also has a buyout clause. And, uh, there were some couple whispers on Twitter that maybe they were going to plan on buying him out immediately. Can't really verify that, but, uh, 22 years old. Um, don't over, overly need to worry about his age. I mean, considering Mogi came over and lit the league on fire in his 25 year old rookie season. It's whatever for overseas players. Um, averaged 12 points, two and a half rebounds and, uh, two assists per game in Serbia's top division. Uh, 12 points, two rebounds and two assists in the 16 games in the Euro Cup. Uh, I will say that his shooting numbers, which I found on Real GM, they're not spectacular. Uh, 42.9% from the field, 35% from deep with uh, 99 made threes on the across all leagues this year. Um, his advanced numbers don't really show him to be much else than a shooter. He's only got a 2.1 to one assist the turnover ratio and really low rebounding rates uh, I'm not sure his numbers paint a guy who will make the NBA but I mean the 60th pick is the ultimate crapshoot
0: but Isaiah Thomas what are you <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably the worst thing for uh, Sacramento Kings fans yeah. in the second round is just remembering that Isaiah Thomas made it work It's going
0: to paint a bad picture and were there any sort of impressions that you had on one any sort of way, Nate?
2: Oh, man. I mean, not really. I mean, I think with the 60th pick and um, really most of the freaking second you know, second round in general, yeah. there's been a lot of buzz that a lot of times agents really try to position where their players go and they try to give them the best both um, professional opportunity but just contract opportunities. Can they Can they get some guaranteed money? Um, so on and so forth that, um, you know, we just kind of don't know who they could have been interested that just decided not to go there. I did count and, um, after the Kings picked, um, Justin James, they had, there were 10 players that had worked out for the Kings that were selected elsewhere. So, you know, you don't, I don't, I, you know, for me, I'm not really sure if they, you know, they missed out on somebody, but, um, I've been as I've been looking at who also has gotten signed after the fact, a lot of uh, kind of I don't know next wave of players, uh, the high level undrafted kind of guys that the Kings worked out have been getting picked up everywhere else. It's, It's sort of surprising. It almost feels like a missed opportunity to have worked out so many players. So that's kind of almost the position I'm going to now. Where I'm not really as frustrated by Justin James. I'm just shocked that they spent this much time on all these other prospects and frankly didn't seem to get any commitments that, after the fact, we can give you a little bit more money to come to Sacramento. Uh, but in regards to more directly to the 60th pick, if all of these second-round picks are kind of flexible and agents position them, you're really probably only valuing a, a draft-and-stash guy, and there wasn't a lot of international talent that kind of feels like a sort of a third-round pick, if you will. There's the Yuval mm-hmm. Zeusman and um, Joshua Obiisi and Adam Akoka, and, and I really don't know who could argue who's better, maybe of those four in total, aside from, you know, Zeusman definitely has fans out there, but there's probably just as much criticism over maybe his potential lack of athleticism as, uh, even a, even a Vanya. I don't know.
1: I'm kind of surprised that there's whispers that, that the Kings would kind of bring over Vanya immediately. Because, I mean, they don't really don't need to roster multiple guys. I mean, maybe Vanya just comes straight to Stockton, but they can only sign two guys to those two-way contracts that kind of lock them into the organization while keeping them in the G League. So uh it's kind of surprising to me that we're hearing whispers that he's coming over.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't compare the case entirely Same in all the ways, but I I can remember last summer when the Lakers drafted Isaac Bonga, who was one of the youngest players in that entire draft, and they brought him over to a a team that was going to be a veteran team, or at least potentially a veteran team, surrounded by LeBron, and now they're already trying to get rid of his contract. And It it just sort of seems like general manager malpractice, and I'm not going to say that that's what would be the case here. It's just it's weird to want to bring someone over so soon but you know maybe they see him as a, a kind of a the stretch three small four that can really develop in uh, in, in Stockton and, and you know and maybe get on the floor of Sacramento and kind of have that Serbian Serbian game you know be able to you know share plays with bogey and and Nemanja without kind of the the defense really understanding what what they're running that, that there's always that small likelihood too
0: The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one PodCoin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. And I wanted to ask, it was a very hot topic of Bobo falling extremely yeah. far. And obviously, you know, I've heard of attitude issues. There's all these injuries and everything. Would you have liked to see the Kings just try to take a risk here? I mean, their, their training staff and um, injury staff seems to do well. They did a good job with Giles. I would assume it's the same sort of thing of him being redshirted first year. Um, would you have liked to see them try and take a chance there?
1: Well, I'll I'll first note out that, that uh, the Kings let go of that training staff last year, the ones that had uh, done oh, so well with Harry Child.
0: That is a good point. Is,
1: yeah, that was pretty disappointing. Um, I know that Bol Bol was going to be the big name, um, and he did far fall further than I expected. Um, but I was really expecting he would, you know, tumble past. Uh, you know, the late first round into the second. I'm not surprised. The dude has so many red flags when it comes to... I mean, (laughs) you're 19 years old and you've already got an injured foot and you've got, you know, the frame that he does. I mean, he's got those incredible long arms and he's so incredibly tall and, I mean, he weighs 200 pounds. I mean, that's just not tenable for an NBA center, let alone one with that much size on him. Uh, And, you know, you can... Add that in all of the whispers we've heard about, uh, you know, his work ethic. Does he does he really care? Is he an easy-to-work-with kid? I mean, maybe falling this far was what he's going to need to really push himself to become a great NBA player, but it, he wasn't the highest guy on my board when the Kings picked at 40. Uh, if they had taken him at 40 or – well, no, they would have had to take him at 40. If they'd taken him at 40 – I would have thought it was a fine gamble. Maybe he pans out. He certainly got a skill set that could really mesh well with the king's existing big men, but he wasn't a gamble that I was devastated to see them pass up on.
2: Yeah, and I saw the reports today that he had a or that there were leaks that he has possibly a degenerative knee condition that the same thing that um Brandon Roy had many years ago. So, and we don't we don't know. If the Kings got those medical reports, I also don't know whether uh, the Kings attended that group workout that Bull had um, in yeah, that's true. This draft, we we really saw that again. They they want to see a player work out in Sacramento first, and and there doesn't seem like they're going to draft someone that hasn't.
0: And were there other guys that you would have liked to see them take with these picks I know it's it's a little not pointless to talk about, but we have who we have, but there could have been other selections. I know that Nate your predictions were Roby norvell bone none of them happened very hard to predict <laughs> this not to put anything on you or anything um i I would have really liked like I liked a taylin Horton Tucker um seven full wingspan point guard um. Is there anybody that you would have really liked to see picked over who the Kings went for?
2: Well, I'd I first like to reply that the Taylor Horton-Tucker drafting is, is just generally shocking to me. Um, he's one of the youngest players in this draft, and he's incredibly raw, and he, he just seems like a piece of clay. And Does that sound like a guy that's going to get on the floor with LeBron James and Anthony? <laughs> that's, that's just... It's just insane, but I, I guess I could flip it and say that, you know, they did pick up uh, Zach Norvell, who is a guy that, uh, after the draft, that would definitely help stretch the floor um, in L.A. I think, you know, Norvell is a guy like uh, Zylin for, for sure. Um, who those players, they had those players in. John Contra as a big guard. Dean Wade, Josh Reeves. All of these guys have gotten scooped up. Um, I think... Um, Lower on the board, Jeremiah Martin, you know, Corey Davis, who some people sort of look into uh, a young Pat Beverly as a guard defender. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are really getting scooped up. And I think what's really surprising in, you know, this is, this is just where the, I think where the agents make their money, you know, Jonte Porter seems like he's still out there and yeah. why not give just a minimum deal? I mean, that just seems very obvious, but you know Terrence Davis was the guy I liked the most and I haven't seen a single whisper on where he goes so that could be a case of we don't know what we don't know um I would also think that a minimum guaranteed 3 year deal for Charles Matthews would make a whole lot of sense and yep absolutely uh, and I'm 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 insane because I'm probably outside of maybe four or five people uh like Sandy Cohen um he's a wing defender Uh, I think he played at Green Bay. He's got numbers that are very, very similar to to Justin James. He he rebounds well as a a wing. He's pretty much a primary initiator for them. He gets you steals. He gets you blocks. Um, uh, He's also, and this I know this doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to people, but um, he's also Native American. And, uh, I think those little stories, I've always kind of rooted for those stories. Like to me, it's always been one of those great examples of NBA that people from all sorts of backgrounds from throughout the globe can make it in an the NBA. And I can't remember the last time someone of Native American descent was in the NBA. I just think that that would be a really nice story.
0: Yeah. And go ahead. You sounded like you were about to say something. <laughs> uh, well, I
1: was just going to say that my, uh, if we limit ourselves to the players that the Kings had worked out, I mean, if we don't limit ourselves, I would have loved to have seen them take uh, Eric Pascal or Admiral Schofield or, uh, I mean, I agree with Nate. Jontay Porter would have been my pick at 60 and throw him on a two-way contract and let him rehab. But it's very clear that the NBA is much more worried about his medicals than uh, armchair scouts are. So, um, if we just limit ourselves to, to the players that the Kings worked out, I agree with Nate that his ideal or projected draft of uh Isaiah Roby, Zach Marvell, and Jordan Bone would have been my preferred outcome. I like all three players. I think they all had really good shots to be kind of real good fits for this King, especially Jordan Bone. I love Jordan Bone. But... Uh, it's just, it's. I mean, clearly the Kings didn't feel like uh, Isaiah Roby was any better of a fit on the wing than Justin James. Uh, clearly, the Kings thought Kyle Guy's shooting was more important than Zach Norvell's. Uh, and I mean, it's it, it is what it is. Kings are going to have to be right about these guys more than we are. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, who at uh, this second round kind of fades out because there will be one or two or three, you know, real gems in the second round. The Kings hit on one of those, do they not? Did they pass on somebody? One of the guys they worked out turned into that gem because, you know, smart organizations are the ones that find those second-round gems. So, yeah.
0: so this, this won't
1: necessarily be really meaningful for the Kings long-term, but it'll tell us something about their scouting.
0: Known smart organization, Sacramento Kings. <laughs> <laughs> Did not say that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll just say that uh, I brought up uh, who's who's left, at least as far as I've been able to track of who worked out: Terrence Davis, um, Kai Bowman. Although I saw reports that he might sign with either the Warriors or the uh, Clippers. Taco Fall, Kenny Wooten, Amir Coffey, yeah. Donta Hall, and Cameron Jackson rank out. So I don't think most of those players are too exciting. Although I do have a coworker that is a big Amir Coffee fan, and all the branding so that could happen in Sacramento with that. So,
0: so there's obviously an extreme difficulty of predicting the future, but we see people give these draft grades after it happens, and I'll point out that I saw the Giannis draft grade got a C minus, and the Ben McLemore got an A minus. So, very normal to be completely (laughs) off on these. But if you had to stick a grade on what the Kings did, going in with 40, 40, 47, 60, what sort of range are you thinking?
1: Well, I'm one of those guys that would have given them an A back in 2013 (laughs) for taking Ben McLemore. So, I don't necessarily know how much my draft rate should hold weight. Um, To be honest, the only player I feel really comfortable judging is Kyle Guy, um, 55, that's fine, whatever. But I don't necessarily think that the Kings maximized what they had. Um, and I'm very wary about Justin James's uh, potential given his really bad shooting percentages. So I'm going to go with a D plus with the caveat that, uh, I hope in Twelve months, I can look back at this and uh, and submit this to cold takes for just how <laughs> off it is.
0: So rough. Do we have more of an optimist in Nate? Maybe.
2: I I I I've grown to realize that the draft grade is probably the worst, one of the worst <laughs> forms that exists. But yeah. <laughs> I I, I would just say that my you know my, again my immediate impulse was. Very stressed out and freaked out that 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 he, this was the guy they picked. And as I read more, and I feel I feel better. I think yeah. And then if you get anything uh, out of Guy and Vanya, and with three years from now, then then it's more of like a it's more of like a pass fail situation. I think uh, I think people were really freaked out about many picks that the Kings have made, and sometimes it was a bad decision, but also not necessarily a horrible. Decision based on what else was available out there, I think. Um, yeah. you know, there was some of the, uh, I like to throw out some of the other comps for, for, uh, Justin was Garrett Temple and Chandler Hutchinson. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, that, that was a little surprising, but, um, at, you know, I think that there will probably feel a little bit better about it down the road. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely hard because, you can feel that other teams kind of just really work the draft in a in a better way, and it doesn't seem like that's kind of how the the Kings necessarily approached it, they probably identified at a guy. And if I just had any conspiracy theory, I, I could. There's a part of me that might think that they liked Cody Martin more, and he was off the board because I, I can't uh. a world where Cody Martin and Justin James could have been the two guys that were highest on their board, and And Cody Martin, though not a reach in and of himself as being a second round pick, was that was a that was a big jump, um, I think compared to where people saw him. I think he started somewhere maybe at the end of the college season as being an undrafted guy that really worked his way up. Um not dissimilar from Justin James, honestly.
0: You know, that was very professional and impressive of you to give us all that great information to completely avoid the question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not gonna make you give a grade I think is there anything else you want to touch on with these Kings guys maybe we can briefly go into the rest of the draft a bit here
2: oh, I think I, I'm just really gonna be really curious to see how what else they may be fine um, in, uh, you know, in this undrafted free agency I think we can also draw kind of a line on well not easily on the contracts that these undrafted guys are getting not all of them are signing two-year deals. Um, some of them will be playing for teams that are playing at the California Classic, and maybe they're players that didn't work out for the Kings, and uh, but their situation with those teams don't work out, and the Kings bring them over later, uh, later in the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah it's really going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. Just massive scouting effort that the Kings have put forward in the last month and a half. I mean, 101 players brought through. Just, it should be applauded in a sense because the Kings clearly were trying to do their homework. I don't necessarily know that it will pay off, but, um, they were very, they seemed very confident in their selections and Vladi never does anything half-assed. So, uh, it will be really interesting to see in summer league what their, roles are for uh, Guy and Justin, and and uh, let's see if they bring Vanya over quickly, and just go from there.
0: So, quickly taking a look at the rest of the draft, um I correct in saying that the Suns completely dropped the ball on this? <laughs> they had their point guard, or potential point guard available in Kobe White, or even Jarrett Culliver was a nice fit there, and... They trade back to 11, take a huge reach in Cameron Johnson, could have got him later. They trade a future first-round pick for Aaron Baines and Ty Jerome. I mean, drop the ball on this, right?
1: <laughs> well, this is coming from somebody who considered – I mean, Cameron Johnson was my draft crush. I would have loved to have seen the Kings jump up into the you know mid-20s and take him <laughs> – 11 is way too early. Um, They definitely could have... I mean, Jared Colover was third on my mid-board. They should have just stuck with him. But, yeah, this was a bad draft for Phoenix. Just straight
2: up. uh, You know, the report came out that Josh Jackson was hung over and threw up on the practice court this season (laughs) while he was suspended. And so you know the draft was two days later i think after the report came out and all i could think of was they're just trying to get some adults in the room and i well they don't have athleticism really bane baines and 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 jerome and johnson i think you know what you can you're going to get from them and while we don't like it that's it seems like that's the clue of their strategy and probably overpaying for uh D'Angelo russell
0: that's that's a really good point um because I have seen the jokes of Cameron Johnson being older than their entire core, including Devin Booker, who's, what, five years in the league at this point. So that's interesting. But that's definitely a good point. They could use a little bit of mentorship there. I think Baines and the two guys that you mentioned do fit that. Um, the other one I want to ask you about a little bit here is Darius Garland going to the Cavs. Obviously, that's a little repetitive with Sexton. Um, it seems like there's the thought that Garland has the higher potential. Is this just... It seemed like the Cavs felt like they needed to go best player available because Sexton is in no way a cornerstone or anything like that. And when you're this high, that's just what you do. And even though, I mean, a lot of people, I think, had Culver over Garland.
1: I did for sure. Um, But mainly, I trust John Beeline. And he wouldn't have uh, uh, pushed for another ball handler if he didn't think that either he was going to be able to utilize the combination of Garland and Sexton or... I mean, this isn't the other option that they just already know that Sexton's not going to be a starter in this league for very long. And when you're as bad and completely devoid of talent as Cleveland is, you just have to pick for talent. And if they thought Darius Garland was the best player on the board, hey, good for them. Um, you know, I was also kind of impressed to see them be the team that gambled and traded up in to the 30th pick to get uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I really hope that, uh, that works out because he is a talented player. I think uh, the NBA folks were re- wary about his work ethic. Uh, I hope he makes that work out in Cleveland, but me and that is, that is one heck of a trio of, decision makers right there it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting to see how the three of those players play off each other
2: yeah and then they also I think added Windler um yeah yeah and then an undrafted they've added Dean Wade on a two-way Phil line lineup and Marquise Bolden who worked out for the Kings
0: okay. yeah
1: my favorite uh, draft. It was definitely Memphis's. Um, yeah. I like John Morant. He would have been second on my big board, uh, but I just cannot stress enough how much I thought them trading up and getting Brandon Clark. The the death lineup that's going to be Brandon Clark and Sharon Jackson Jr. is just going to end, folks, in the paint. It's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah.
0: One that really intrigued me from a King's point of view was the Pacers going with Goga at 18. They mm-hmm. already have this Jam of what feel like two pretty pure centers in being Miles Turner and Sabonis. And my assumption would be that they went with Goga because they felt like it was very clearly the best talent available. They just couldn't pass up on him. But does this mean that likely Sabonis would be on the table? I mean, I would definitely have an interest from a king point of view.
2: I think you probably have to think so. I mean, they've got some decisions to make. If, I mean, most of their roster is going to be a free agent, uh, this summer and, uh, everything, I think you yeah, got Thaddeus Young and,
0: yeah. and
2: Pohan and Collison. And I mean, Corey Joseph, I, I mean, the whole roster. And then they're going to be handicapped a little bit because they won't probably get much production out of Ola Depot. So it really feels like that they're in flux. And I don't know you know you never know whether they have a very specific plan There's, there's a part of me that's really thought it'd be very exciting if they actually went for uh, for Bohan um kind of maybe fill a need but i i don't think that they're probably going to do that cuz the king's not been attached to him whatsoever but uh, <laughs>
0: yeah maybe we're all just narrow minded and don't realize gogo's a perfect 3 <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is that is really interesting roster of construction there too have three of arguably your top like eight players all these centers
0: yeah
1: I mean that's quite a draft statement right there
0: well anything else in the draft that you guys feel like you want to talk on a little bit I mean you guys know I'm a little bit of a Celtics fan I feel like we did pretty good here with Langford, Grant Williams and ended up with Carson Edwards also
1: yeah, I can't overstress enough just how great that Grant Williams pick is yeah. going to be in Brad Stevens' system. I mean, I I think Grant Williams was one of the more underrated uh players in this class. He's just going to thrive there and I think that uh you know, if Boston's goal is to uh get more high chemistry guys in that locker room, then he's going to be a really good
2: fit there. And I guess you know, my final takeaway really is that it's uh kind of a reminder of that, you know, the draft industry, at least on the media side, that there's probably really only five really good experts and then probably another up to yeah. ten to fifteen that are good reads, people that kind of know their things. And, um that, you know, they really kind of solidify during the season, maybe the, the top fifteen to twenty five guys. And then as the combine season goes, you, you see these guys from smaller schools kind of rise up through Portsmouth and, uh, you know, the G League Combine this year and then the actual Combine. But even then, it, it ends up still being, you know, wide guesses. Someone like Daquan Jeffries, um, you know, rose up and, and didn't get drafted. Uh You know, we at some Kings fans, uh, we thought Pons was going to be out of our range. and ended up being in our range and not getting drafted by the Kings at all. Yeah. Um, and someone like Justin James, who plays at a mid-major, you know, I, I think – mid major schools uh, and international players, the knowledge base is going to be really, really so low that we can often think these players are poor picks when there's really very few people that can even grasp uh, the details of 200 plus prospects um, for one year.
0: Well, I think that that is going to do it. I guess this does not not change anything going into Kings' off season, right? It's still obviously no. backup point guard, backup wing, and center is what you're looking at.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're still going to take a look at. Um, I don't necessarily know that they're going to overly stress about a backup point at this. I mean, maybe Patrick Beverly is available, but... Who knows if they make that a priority, but I agree that nothing they did yesterday is going to change how they move forward with this team.
0: Well, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Kings underscore Pulse. You can interact with us there and both of the guests on this show as well you can follow nate at journalist nate and bryant at bs west 5 thank you to everybody for listening to this episode and you will hear from us again in in a couple days